0: You're listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast, a podcast for Steelers fans by Steelers fans. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, read articles on renegadeblitz.com, and like us on Facebook. And it's another preview episode on the Renegade Blitz. Welcome back. I'm Ty Polk, and I'm joined by Chris Ward, and we're here to cover Steelers versus Bills this Sunday night. And going into the game against the Washington football team, there were injuries that hampered the Steelers' play. And coming out of it, there's concerns going into Buffalo. Chris, talk more about the injury report for the Steelers.
2: Joe Hayden, who uh, suffered a concussion against Washington, linebacker Robert Spillane, who had a knee injury against Washington, also didn't practice today on Wednesday Chris Boswell uh, had a hip injury. He didn't play against Washington. And he didn't practice either. Defensive lineman Chris Warmley had an illness, and he didn't practice today. That Ben Roethlisberger, David DiCastro, and Alejandro Villanueva all had
0: Veterans Day all day also. And there was a new signing for the Steelers. They signed a defensive end off the Colts practice squad.
2: Yeah, they signed uh, Cassius Marsh, as you mentioned, from the Colts uh, practice squad, and they activated running back James Conner from the reserve COVID-19 list. And also linebacker uh, U- U- Uly- Ulysses Gilbert III.
0: Ulysses, uh, like Ulysses Grant. Okay. Also
2: linebacker Ulysses Gilbert III, who's still on the reserve injured list, returned to practice today. So he has 21 days for the team to decide if they want to activate him or not. And if not, he, he won't be able to be activated this season.
0: What position does Gilbert play? In- inside linebacker. So the depth with Spillane, that could be interesting to see if the Steelers wish to activate him. You figure why not with the mass unit of injuries, but the return of Connor should help the running game. And Chris, are there any updates on Marquise Pouncy? I haven't heard anything yet, but uh,
2: I would assume that he'd be coming off the reserve COVID-19 list in the next couple of days, I would think.
0: Well, hopefully he'll be there to bolster offensive line play. And Chris, before we get into our interview today, Give us a little bit of update on the betting odds for Steelers versus Bills.
2: Buffalo's favored by two and a half points. This is the first time the Steelers are underdogs since when they played the Ravens in week eight. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's been a while that the Steelers haven't been the favorites or heavy favorites we've seen uh past couple of weeks. So it uh, should be interesting uh, on Sunday night against the Bills. And the Bills will be wearing their color rush uniforms. I saw on uh, their Twitter page posted it today.
0: Kind of a reversal of fortune last year. The Steelers wore their color rushes and suffered their first loss against the Bills. Will fortune switch? We'll find out more, but first we'll talk to our guests to cover Steelers versus Bills. Joining us now to talk a little Buffalo Bills is Greg Tomset, host of the cover one Buffalo podcast. Greg, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, appreciate it, man. Looking forward to it. Uh, honestly, I, I knew this was a really big game for the Bills coming into the year, but didn't realize it was going to be maybe game of the year kind of thing from an NFL standpoint uh, at this point. So really excited to talk about it.
0: It's really been a good year for you guys. Nine and three atop the AFC East looking for their first division championship in 25 years and their first back to back playoff appearances since 1999 1998 those bills fans are always wild so I bet you guys are excited about this season
1: yeah I I mean there's obviously a lot of fans when you go through that kind of drought and obviously the the Steelers fans don't really have a great reference to this maybe if there's some folks listening who are 50 55 years old you have that stretch During the 80s where it wasn't the same you know you had that crazy dominant run in the 70s then right back into it from the 90s through today um there was a, a slow period in there but for most Steelers fans you guys have never really had a real drought the Bills fans you know going 17 years without making the playoffs 25 years without uh hosting a playoff game or winning the division it's tough man so there's a lot of people in Bills Mafia that are Simply beaten into submission and just so used to, oh, here we go again. Same old bills. Are they gonna find another crazy way to blow it? And slowly this year, it you know, I, I I guess it's it's hard not to put it on one person. Josh Allen has chipped away at that. That holy crap, this guy might not blow it. This guy, he's slowly won people over that wow, we're going to just keep scoring points. I don't even know how this works. And it's something that now it's to the point where, you know, casual fans like your uncle who used to just blow things off. And say, eh, I'm not even going to watch the game. I'm going to go rake the leaves instead are now like texting me during the game and reaching out and, and getting into it. And you know, my aunt and my grandma are watching games and calling me during the game. And it's just fun that it's bringing everybody back in to enjoy football and something that I'm crazy passionate about anyways, but now everybody's getting on board and that's just a fun experience.
0: It feels great for you guys because really the wicked witch of the AFC East, (sighs) the new England Patriots, they're not dead, but it's not the powerful old Patriots that had Tom Brady that would just crush your heart into 25
1: pieces for, I've brought it up a couple times that people are like oh man well they're not going to be down forever they're going to come back and I, I keep saying listen, i don't care who they sign I don't care who they draft there's literally nothing they can do that will ever get back to peak Tom brady nothing there's nothing they can do that will get back to that inevitability that guaranteed the division for 20 years. I don't care who they sign i don't care who they draft they're going to be just like the rest of us now. They're going to have the ebbs and flows of good seasons and bad seasons and injuries are going to screw them over and they're going to have a good year every once in a while. And that's fine. Welcome back to reality.
2: Many around here in Pittsburgh uh, believe that Josh Allen may be the best quarterback the Steelers will face from here until the playoffs. You know, definitely their best quarterback they've faced since week three when they faced uh, Deshaun Watson. But uh, he's currently one of the favorites to win the NFL MVP award, currently fifth in passing yards and seventh in passer rating. Uh, what's been the biggest part of his uh, success
1: this year? I wish I could put my finger on it. It's the he had coming out in the draft. A lot of people obviously talked about his bust potential. You know, a lot of metrics showed he was the most likely high draft pick to bust in history because he was like the the stats were terrible. The film was pretty rough. Um, there wasn't a lot of positive things. One of the early things that we identified, you know, I was able to be around the team and do some interviews and some things like that. He had an unbelievable sense of humility and like willingness to be coached and, you know, spending every summer with Jordan Palmer, ripping his mechanics down to the studs and rebuilding it all the way back up, taking all the the negative criticism and working on those things. And I joked a lot coming out that he's what Jeff George could have been. He's what Jamarcus Russell could have been if they had humility and an incredible work ethic. And instead of just coming out and saying, Nope, I'm going to be great. This is what I do. He took the criticism and he worked on it and he added touch and he added better variability on his throws and realized he didn't have to throw every single ball through the receiver's chest. And that sometimes it's okay to take a little bit off it and to work on those things. Now, even with all of that, anybody who told you they saw this coming, they're lying to you. Nobody did. You know, like I, I thought he had the potential to be a good starting quarterback. I didn't ever think he was going to go through a season at 69.9% completion percentage, leading the NFL in some metrics. I didn't believe that was ever in the card. So even beyond the fact that I was a pretty staunch believer and and supporter of what he could do and that he was going to be a sustainable starting quarterback. I didn't think there was this coming.
2: Yeah. Watching the highlights of the game against uh, the 49ers, he looked really uh, cool, calm, and collected. It was just unbelievable performance by Allen there.
1: Yeah. And uh, so anybody who listens to Good Morning Football knows, um, you know, Cal Brandt jokes about him being sugar high Josh. And that when you get that roller coaster, you know, you guys saw it in the playoff game last year. He's not crazy, he's not, you know, some erratic. Monster, it's that he just he tries too hard, he wants to win the game on every single play. And that when you're a physical specimen like he is, I get thinking that that oh no, I can do it, I can figure this out, trying to keep every play alive. Well, now he's refined it enough to trust Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs and John Brown and all these guys that oh, I don't have to be the only one to do this and now he's willing to live to fight another day. Heck, during that 49ers game, he had four throwaways. I haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> he tries to keep every play alive, and he threw the ball away four times. That's a victory for me. So, yeah, his maturity and progression has been pretty special.
0: He reminds me of Big Ben in a lot of ways, just that gunslinger mentality. He's, ob- I think he has better wheels. We won't know the full extent of Ben Rafflesberger's wheels, some of that for personal reasons like the motorcycle accident or just getting old. But every time I see him, it's like, yeah, I can see why they said Big Ben was a comparison. Uh,
1: Yeah. And I think people throw out a lot of different things like that. I actually think one of the most accurate ones is Donovan McNabb where there's mobility, but not, he's not Michael Vick. He's not running for crazy amounts, but enough to make you threatened about it, but also enough where the real value is in the red zone. So Josh Allen in his early years, he was running for five, 600 yards and the crazy, you know, spinning around Kiko Alonso and all the highlights and things like that. Um, but really where it comes down to now is he runs for three yards on third and two. But when you get down in the red zone, he is six five, two hundred and fifty. 250 And like when you get down there and he decides he's going to score, there's not a whole lot you can do when he gets out into good numbers and you get him one on one with a safety or a cornerback. You're just not knocking him backwards. Like you can tackle him into the end zone and, you know, hop along for a ride. But that's why he has, you know, six touchdowns and has had uh, six plus touchdowns every year he's been in the NFL rushing, is that he's now refining that and using that. So I, I, I like McNabb as a, as a, comp for him and now as he's refining that accuracy I think that's the career trajectory Bills fans should be hoping for is that he can maintain that kind of progression and if he gets to the point of of a Roethlisberger I think that's amazing I I think that Roethlisberger was a much more prepared accurate passer coming out Um, and obviously some of the high points this season are getting to big Ben's level. But if he can sustain that kind of thing, I, you know, Bill's fans will be very, very excited.
0: Congratulations. You have a new fan. McNabb's my favorite non Steelers quarterback ever. So yeah, <laughs> I, I he, it. He, he wins MVP now, but let's get back on track a little bit. Uh, the biggest part of that production for Allen is that deep receiving core headlined by the acquisition of Stefan Diggs from Minnesota, Buffalo's receiver depth behind him in Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, And John Brown are just as lethal. All three guys have totaled at least 386 yards and averaged 12.1 yards per reception, at least. What is Buffalo's plan in the passing game? And how can it exploit a potentially depleted Steelers
1: cornerback group? So one of the interesting things is Brian Dable comes from the Bill Belichick tree in that world and the one thing that he did take from them is he's very matchup specific when the defense that they're playing is bad against the run the bills run the ball when they're bad against the pass they pass the ball and I don't mean they pass the ball a little bit they pass the ball every play so you know Pete Carroll talked about it after the Seahawks he said oh man we had a great game plan to stop the run Well, they didn't care that they had a good game plan to stop the run. They opened up with 28 of the first 30 passes or plays as passes um, because they knew the Seahawks couldn't stop them from passing the ball. So they're very specific. They're a lot of metrics will show they're the most analytically driven team in the NFL. Um, they simply lean into whatever it is. They go for it and fourth down more than any other team. They lean into the things like pre-snap motion, play action, passing first down, passing lead the NFL. And most of those metrics, they believe in the math. So whatever, you know, obviously there's not a lot of flaws in the Steelers defense. Um, so when you're picking you know weaknesses with the Steelers, you're picking least best and, and what they're the least good at because they're pretty good at everything on defense. So I do think that if, you know, obviously Hayden's a huge piece of that. If Hayden's not full go or not back out of concussion protocol, I don't know that you guys have somebody that can go step for step with Stefan Diggs. That's going to be something they'll lean into. For teams that are zone heavy, Cole Beasley's really hard to stop from finding a spot in the zone. So that's the real danger they have built is when you go zone, we got somebody that can beat that. When you go, man, we got somebody that can beat that. And if Brian Dable picks the right timing of when to call those plays, it's really hard to stop with Josh Allen being on the money. So, That's what they've built now, and right, we won't this week have John Brown back, but going into the playoffs, when you add John Brown into that to take the top off the defense and avoid some of the bracket coverage you can put on Stephon Diggs, it's tough. And you really have to just depend on Josh Allen making a mistake because if he doesn't, it's just pick your poison.
0: How does Buffalo use their tight ends and running backs? Because that was a problem against the Washington football team. They couldn't stop. Thomas, they couldn't stop McKissick, and it ended up costing them huge in that game.
1: So I've got great news. We're really bad at it, so you don't have to worry all that much about that. Um, It's something that they haven't really gotten it figured out. They've tried a couple different combinations of shared workloads between Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Both guys have had a bit of trouble holding onto the ball. Um, they just saw it again with Zach Moss on Monday night. And after he did, they sat him down for the rest of the game and gave all the rest of the touches to Devin Singletary. I expect Singletary to maintain the predominance of the touches going into this game. I don't think it's going to be 90 10, but I think he's going to get the majority of the playing time over Moss. It had been 50 50 for a decent stretch there. Um, Tight ends have been a real struggle. You know, they Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, Dawson Knox they've caught some touchdowns here or there Knox actually just had his best game of the season his best game of the season was four catches for 27 yards and a touchdown that tells you what kind of production we've been getting there so obviously when you can go Stefan Diggs John Brown Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis it hasn't been a big issue Um, but they've basically been outlets fourth fifth reads goal line play action targets it's not something I expect to be the focus of the game plan against the Steelers.
2: And you mentioned Allen's rushing ability. He's second on the team in rushing. Uh, he can score you know, six touchdowns on the ground. Buffalo's 19th in uh, rushing attempts and 23 in yards per game, averaging about uh, 102.4 yards. When they commit to their running backs, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, uh, they can do well. as They're both averaging over four yards per carry. What has Buffalo done to attack defenses on the ground? How can it be effective against the Steelers?
1: So they've the biggest challenge has been the revolving door at offensive line. So they had John Feliciano for the out for the first six weeks. They lost Mitch Morris for a couple weeks to a concussion. They lost Cody Ford for the season a couple weeks ago. Oh. They've been playing mix and match most of the year. They finally have kind of their intended starting five ready this past week, and it really paid dividends. They look great against a really tough front seven from San Francisco. So Deion Dawkins. Uh, Mike Botker, Mitch Morris, John Feliciano, Daryl Williams. They all played together. They played uh, almost all the snaps of the game and looked good. If they can get that line gelled together, they can open up some holes to be able to run through. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are not going to be the kind of guys who just create, you know, openings by themselves or making guys constantly miss they need holes to run through but if you give them to them they have good contact balance they have good short area quickness they can make a guy miss to be able to get a little bit extra um, and they're both okay out of the backfield and and pick up decent blitz pickup and pass protection it's something that they're very very much dependent on the offensive line, giving them openings. So with a front seven like the Steelers, I don't expect that to be a huge focus. And I think it's you know, kind of silly to think that you're going to move the the Cam Haywards and the T.J. Watts of the world out of the way to be able to run the ball. So if I can avoid Stephon Tewitt, I, I would do that too. So I expect it to be 80-20 passing. I would expect 40-45 pass attempts and 15 runs. And certainly as a Bills fan, I'd, I'd be perfectly fine with that.
0: Well, let's stick with a little bit of the pass rush. How has pass protection been in Buffalo? They're 17th in sacks allowed with 24. And you mentioned a little bit of the offensive line having injuries, but they're now healthy with Monday's game. Even with Bud Dupree gone, there's no stopping TJ Watt right now. He really planted his flag for defensive player of the year. So first, who is going to be the guy that you think will primarily be on Watt? Because he seems to stay in one area.
1: So my guess is they're going to bring him off the defensive left side against the right tackle with Daryl Williams. Williams is good. He's had a good season. He's not elite. He's not great, but he's good. He's above average. I expect them to use the tight end a fair amount. So Lee Smith is an exceptional blocker, probably you know, arguably the best blocking tight end in the NFL has no threat from a passing standpoint or pass uh, catching standpoint. Dawson Knox is actually a pretty good physical blocker, um, not as good technique as Lee Smith, but he's, he's a strong guy. I expect them to use them a great deal as a help and a chip. They've done that a lot. They did that against uh, Nick Bosa. They've done that against others. Uh, sorry, Joey Bosa. I expect them to bring help because if you leave any blocker one-on-one against TJ Watt, you're asking for problems. Josh Allen is the kind of quarterback that's a blessing and a curse to block for because he's incredibly hard to bring down like you guys are used to with young Ben Roethlisberger. He's really, really hard to bring down. He does some of those big Ben plays where he's throwing the ball while there's two guys hanging off of him and you don't understand how he even gets his arm free to get the ball down the field. And all of a sudden it's a six yard completion instead of a sack. But, he also keeps a lot of plays alive where the offensive line did a pretty good job and he should have got rid of the ball by now and you're letting guys get to him. So I think with, you know, the front, even without Dupree, I, you know, I was a huge fan of Alex Highsmith coming out. I, I still think there's plenty of pass rush problems with it, with, again, with Toit and Hayward and everybody. I would hope that part of the game plan is a little bit quicker getting the ball out, you know, out of Josh's hands. Don't have him back there trying to create long plays, long developing routes tons of double-move play action, which they've actually had a lot of success with, I would hope we don't see a lot of that this week and you let the footwork and route running of Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley get open quickly, get the ball to him, get the seven yards, move on to the next play, uh, and try to you know death by a thousand paper cuts.
0: Are you confident in the offensive line's ability and probably the offensive coordinator to make those quick passing plays that kind of really
1: shut down the Steelers a little bit I'll lean into that earlier comment that I know Brian Dable has been very good at that all season. So if somebody at my level can watch the Steelers film and see how obvious it is to do that, I have to trust somebody who's much smarter than I am from, you know, the standpoint of an offensive coordinator and Brian Dable and what he's done this year, he sees that too. So if he doesn't and he he sits Josh Allen back there with these long developing seven step drops, hoping that the line can protect for four and five seconds. I'm going to be furious because that's crazy to invite TJ. What's a monster. I want nothing to do with that guy. I want him to be frustrated all game that he's beating his man, but Josh Allen's already gotten rid of the ball. I want to see those exasperated faces from him all game long uh, because he's going to beat his guy. Uh, I'm just hoping Josh can get rid of the ball before he gets there.
2: Bills are the most successful team on third and fourth down in the league. They don't get into those downs a lot, you know, third fuse on third down, a fuse on fourth. What's been a common play call?
1: So the biggest thing is they believe strongly in the best way to convert third and fourth down is to get a first down on first and second down. Don't even worry about it. So they're the pass heaviest team on first down in neutral game scripts in the NFL. So When it's not obvious passing downs, when you're down by a ton or you're milking the clock late in game. So anytime that the win percentage is within reach, they're the pass heaviest team on first down in the NFL and a ton of it is play action. So they lean into that where, hey, you don't know if they're going to pass the ball or run the ball, but we're going to give you a run fake and make you commit to that and get the linebackers to hesitate just for a second And then that hesitation is enough for Cole Beasley to be by you, and we take the seven yards. So, that kind of thing, I expect that to be what they try to go for here is that, you know, if we try to run on first down, run on second down, pass on third and long, the Steelers are going to kill that. So, they have to keep them guessing. And the best way to convert for first downs is not getting to third or fourth down in the first place.
0: Want to trade offensive coordinators?
1: I've been a huge Brian Dabo apologist, and I've been trying to explain to fans over and over and over again that it was execution and players learning the system and Josh Allen learning how to execute the playbook and and the options, but hey, these play calls are good. Like Once they start clicking, this is going to be really good, and this year has been the fruition of that. And the frustrating part is, He's now going to get a head coaching job because some owner is going to say, "Oh my gosh, did you see what he did with Josh Allen? I want him to come do that for our quarterback." And somebody's going to pay him a bunch of money. So I'm happy for Brian Dayball. I'm going to enjoy this season, and then I'm just going to hope he goes to the NFC so he doesn't fix any of the crappy AFC quarterbacks.
0: Well, the Bills rely on getting pressure with their front four and Jerry Hughes, Vernon Butler, Ed Oliver, and Mario Addison. They also have Woodland Hills product Quentin Jefferson in the defensive line rotation. The Bills have 30 sacks this season, which is tied for 12th most in the league. What have you seen from the defensive line this year and who can cause issues for the Steelers offensive line, who is good in pass blocking, but struggles in run blocking?
1: So, I I mean, obviously from a metric standpoint, I can see how few sacks the Steelers have given up. So obviously something's working. I think some of that is obviously just, you know, it's hard not to watch a lot of Steelers games. You guys are on prime time or main (laughs) big time games all the time. Um, Roethlisberger's is obviously getting rid of the ball really quick and his, you know, air yards is pretty short. So he's getting the ball out of his hands. So I think that's going to help any offensive line. So I don't expect the defensive ends to be able to do much of anything in this game. I think that that Washington game is a perfect example. I think for Steelers fans, you know, thinking back in their memories, Washington's front seven was pretty good. I think they impacted the game a lot. You go back and look, they had zero sacks and three quarterback hits. So obviously, even though they impacted the game a lot, there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pushing Roethlisberger's, forcing his hand to get rid of the ball. They still didn't actually get to him and touch him. So I think Bill's fans have to kind of, you know, assume it's going to be the same thing. You're not actually going to get to him. He's going to get rid of the ball. But can you force him to have to do that? And if, you know, they want to try to throw two-yard passes to Juju over and over again, I'm fine with that. So I think it's going to have to be the defensive tackles. You're going to need Ed Oliver, Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler to beat their man and try to get to Roethlisberger before he can throw the ball or at least force him to get rid of the ball. Because if you're counting on a defensive end to come around the end and loop around and get there, He's just not going to get there in time. Rufflesburg has shown 12 games worth that he's just not going to hold the ball that long.
2: Greg, how's the defensive line been in the past deflections this year? Because uh, Washington, Montez Sweat had three of them. You know, the, a huge one at the end there that ended up being intercepted by uh, John Bostick and uh, Dron Payne also had one too. How, how have they been in that area
1: this year? That
0: was the question um, so- I was going to ask.
1: Really? Oh, no. <laughs> you guys are in the same spot. Um, <laughs> They've been solid, not exceptional, but solid. Um, So a lot of teams, the Bills, when you say they're um, 12th in sacks, that's accurate. They're second behind the Steelers in pass rush win rate. They're second behind the Steelers in pressure rate. So they get to the quarterback, but teams, just like I'm sure the Steelers are used to, um, teams know that you're going to get there and they get rid of the ball quickly. So the Bills do a ton of that. They're not as aggressive as the Steelers, so they do a lot of – Keep the play in front of you. Don't ever let up big plays. Come up and make the tackle. Assume they're going to make a mistake and hope the offense outscores them. That's what the Bills do. Uh they're going to be, they're going to keep the ball in front of you. They're going to be fine with a ton of, you know, three and four yard passes to Deontay Johnson. And so, you know, they're going to, they're going to try their best not to let Claypool get behind them, not to let James Washington get behind them. They're going to let you get the ball out of your hands quickly to Juju, to Ebron, to Dante Johnson, to hope they can just rally and tackle. And that eventually they'll deflect the ball. They'll get a stop on third down and then hope that they can simply outscore. So the pressure is good and they're pretty good at getting their hands up because they don't get home all the time. Probably not to the rate that Washington did, but pretty solid at it.
2: And the bills on defense have allowed... 375 yards per game which uh, ranks 21st in the league buffalo also gives up 25.5 points per game which ranks 18th in the nfl they do have 19 takeaways however which is tied for the seventh most in the league what is your overall assessment of the
1: defense it's interesting they've had really impressive dominant stretches and then they consistently give up a lot of garbage yards and garbage stats. So the San Francisco game is a good example. They're up 27-10, 34-17, but then when you look at the end of it, they gave up two more 85-yard touchdown drives at the end, and it looks like San Francisco put up a bunch of yards and stats when really they controlled the vast majority of that game, and it was never really all that close from halfway through the first quarter through the very end. Seattle game was like that. They were up by... 10 to 14 points pretty much the entire game and just kept outpacing Seattle. And every time Seattle gave the ball back, they just score again. But by the end of it, it looked like Russell Wilson had thrown for 390 yards and a touchdown and two picks. So there's still 390 yards and I think four, like almost 500 total. So a lot of those things happen where, because the offense has been good enough this year to just outscore a lot of teams, there's been a lot of frustrating numbers where stats look bad but they've made big plays when it matters. So as teams go down there, the Niners game, they had a chance to get in that game, and then Trey White picks off a pass. They had a chance to get back in the game, Micah Hyde picks off a pass. Those have been the kind of things that have happened. They've been able to make key plays, get a key sack when it matters, get a key turnover when it matters, not nearly as consistently as a defense like the Steelers, but enough that with how explosive the offense has been, they've created an extra possession, and if you give this offense an extra possession or two, it's going to be tough to catch up.
0: Has that been Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator for the Bills, kind of like philosophy, a little bit of a bend, but don't break?
1: Um, That's been their philosophy for years, more so because before that was the only way to keep the game within reach because they couldn't afford to be aggressive because the offense couldn't score any points. Now they've added in way higher blitz rates way more aggressive disguise coverages, much more aggressive pursuit of turnovers and big plays, knowing that if you give up a big play, it's okay. The offense will probably answer back. So they've been able to ratchet up the aggression much more than they have historically, because before it was only a bend, but don't break. Now they're mixing in more aggressive shots to try to create turnovers.
0: And at linebacker, they have Matt Milano, AJ Klein, and Tremaine Edwards, the brother of Terrell Edmonds on the Steelers. I was impressed by him. Chris was impressed by him. And he went to the Pro Bowl last year. Klein leads the team in sacks with five. How is this linebackers core doing? Like, how? Like what are their roles primarily on defense? Because with four threes, we've seen where some teams just basically say, all right, defensive line goes, everyone and the linebackers go back.
1: The Bills are a nickel team. Against San Francisco, they were literally a nickel 100% of snaps. Every single snap of the game. They never ran a four or three. They never ran dime. They were in nickel every single play of the game. They just rotated Klein and Milano. It's not always quite that heavy, but it was pretty significant to show that, hey, you're not gonna be able to um rotate personnel and force us into a defense we don't want to be in so even in like 12 personnel you're talking running back two tight ends two running backs and a tight end the bills didn't care they stayed in nickel personnel the whole time and said that's fine we'll still cover you the reason they can do that is when healthy Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano Are two of the most versatile linebackers in the NFL right now. They can cover like crazy. Termaine Edmonds, you know, you guys understand with Terrell and the other brothers, Termaine Edmonds is the physical freak of that family. You don't have all that many middle linebackers in the NFL who are 6'5, 260 and run a 4'5. Like there's just not that many humans on earth that can do that. When he's healthy and in the zone, besides the fact that he's 6'5, he has a seven foot, two inch wingspan. So, when you're a middle linebacker that can move like that, and then you put out a seven foot two inch wingspan in the middle of that zone defense, he covers up just an enormous amount of space. It's crazy what he can discourage quarterbacks from throwing to. The hard part was he was hurt for the first half of this year. He had a dinged up shoulder, he had a dinged up knee, and he played. And then Matt Milano went out with a nasty peck injury, and you could tell he was trying to overcompensate. For having a backup linebacker in next to him. So he was trying to do too much, really over aggressively reading, falling for run fakes, falling for play action fakes, reading on false keys and opening up big lanes. So he started the year, I mean, bad. not even you know, rough or poor. like he was bad for a stretch. He's now gotten healthy. AJ Klein really ratcheted up his play. Matt Milano's back healthy. The last three or four games, Tremaine Edmonds looked like that Pro Bowl level from last year again. So I'm hopeful they can keep that, and they did a nice rotation where A.J. Klein did the more obvious rundowns last week, and Matt Milano came in for the more obvious pass downs, but they stayed in nickel the whole time. That seemed to work pretty well. I wouldn't hate a little more base defense coming in, but with all the offensive weapons the Steelers have, I I assume we're going to see more nickel again.
0: That was really my follow-up question right there with how many wide receiver threats the Steelers have and their propensity to sometimes run out of the shotgun. It's clear we're going to see a lot of nickel. There's not going to be a lot of base 4-3 for Buffalo, correct?
1: I'd be shocked. So, you know, if a team like San Francisco who runs as much tight end and the most fullback snaps in the NFL, if they couldn't get the bills to move out of nickel, I I can't imagine the Steelers are going to, if anything, we might see Dean Marlowe, Saran Neal, Jaquan Johnson coming in as a extra third safety for dime. They actually did some of that where while Milano was out, they were using Saran Neal like a Hybrid safety linebacker, almost like a big dime. So you still had your nickel cornerback in, but you also had a dime linebacker safety guy next to Tremaine Edmonds. Matt Milano is so good in pass coverage that you don't really need that. He's like having a nickel, you know, cornerback. He played safety in college. He's you know a two twenty five, two hundred thirty pound linebacker. He's so good in coverage that you don't really need to. So my guess is that it'll be, you know, him on Ebron, and then the rest of the corners covering the receivers and they'll just say, you know, come and beat us.
2: Also, how, how has uh, Tyler Madikiewicz been doing, or, or Dirty Red as they called him in Pittsburgh? Yeah. How's he doing in Buffalo?
1: <laughs> I would assume the same thing, just a, a fan favorite is just a madman running down the field on every special team's play. Uh, thankfully, we haven't needed to use him at linebacker all that much, um, but he's great at what he does. Um, the fact that a guy who doesn't line up at Gunner can beat these other guys down the field so often from the middle of the punt unit and the middle of the kick return unit is crazy. Like, I don't understand how he weaves his way down the field without getting blocked over and over again, but it's fun.
2: The Bills have a very talented secondary. They gave the Steelers issues last year. Uh, pick, you know It was Devin Hodges, uh, Devlin Hodges but uh, they picked them all four times. Uh, Tredavis White had two interceptions in that game, and he leads Buffalo in interceptions with three this year. And he's a really locked-down corner, one of the best in the league. Uh, He was named first-team All-Pro last year. Opposite of White at cornerback Buffalo has Levi Wallace, and uh, veteran Josh Norman also gets playing time. Uh, At at safety, it's a veteran deal with Jordan Poyer and strong safety uh, Mika Hyde uh, at free safety. How do you see Buffalo's secondary matching up with the Steelers receivers, who had a a really disappointing game the last two games, really, with a lot of drop passes?
1: So... The top three are exceptional. So Trey White is arguably the best cornerback in the NFL, no matter what, a top five cornerback in the NFL, even if you don't have him ahead of some of the other elite guys, Ramsey and, and Gilmore and stuff. And, and you guys know the same idea as a um, Eva, a younger Joe Hayden. Um, so he's gonna be able to not eliminate, but control just about anybody they want to put him on. So we'll I'm curious to see how they do that. I don't know. usually he stays on the outside. He doesn't go into the nickel very often or into the slot very often. He usually stays to the outside and they just kind of have him eliminate one of the guys. Um, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are really exciting because it's impossible to know who's the free safety and who's the strong safety. They disguise coverage better than any safety tandem in the NFL. They've been together for four years. They know each other inside and out. They never miss games. And they do crazy stuff where they'll trail a guy across the field in motion just to try to give the quarterback the idea that it's man and just switch zones and just flip it to the other side and still run zone, but make the quarterback think it was man because they're so good at disguising coverage. Taron Johnson's pretty solid in the slot. Really good tackler, really good at sniffing out blitzes. He's not a stud guy who's going to just go step for step with somebody. So I expect Juju to get a fair amount of catches in the slot, but he's a really good tackler. He doesn't give up a lot after the catch. The tough part is when you have Trey White on one side, The other outside corner, you're going to get targeted a lot because quarterbacks aren't going to throw a Trey White all that much. So Levi Wallace, Josh Norman, Dane Jackson, they've kind of had a rotation of guys there. I expect it to be Levi Wallace in this past game. He got beat up pretty good with Debo Samuel and uh, Brandon Ayuk. So a big physical presence like Chase Claypool or a guy who can get deep like James Washington. I think that the Bills are going to try to focus letting Trey go one-on-one with whoever's on the other side and then give a little more bracket coverage help to Levi Wallace on that side because if they leave him isolated, that would be a concern for me because I think Claypool or Washington um, can have a pretty big day against him if they can get him isolated one-on-one.
0: What's your biggest concern for the Bills in this game?
1: Can they continue to score points against the best defense in the NFL? Uh, You know, it's the Bills have lit up just about everybody they put up points in just about every game there's been a couple crappy weather games where they didn't do awesome but looks like the weather's gonna be pretty great on Sunday that's the big test for me is you know can this can Josh be disciplined enough to not sit back there and try to take deep shots and let T.J. Watt get to him can he get the ball out over and over again let your offensive playmakers do the work be comfortable going on seven, eight, 12 play drives and not trying to, you know, he's had a lot of success this year going on three and four play scoring drives where he just throws 20 yard darts over and over again and then scores a touchdown. Um, You have to sit back there in the pocket to let that happen. So I'm curious to see if he has the discipline to get the ball out quickly over and over again and go on these longer sustained drives. Um, And can they do that against a defense as great as the Steelers?
0: Who do you think will have a big game for Buffalo on the offensive side and the defensive side?
1: On the defensive side, I think Jordan Poyer. I think you're going to see him come up and make a lot of hits. I think that Rotspur is going to get the ball out quickly. You're going to see the ball in Ebron Juju, Deontay Johnson's hands over and over again. I think you're going to see Jordan Poyer rack up a ton of tackles, make a couple big hits, and try to strip the ball. He's pretty good at punching the ball out when he comes up for the ball. That's a name I'd watch for from a defensive standpoint. On the offensive side of the ball, if Hayden doesn't play, I think Stefan Diggs could be a problem. If Hayden can play, I think he can hang with the, you know, Diggs is going to get some catches on anybody, but Hayden's obviously stellar. If he plays, I think that they're going to lean to Cole Beasley a lot and try to get him loose in the slot. We'll see. You know, obviously Minka Fitzpatrick's excellent I haven't seen a report on how he's looking for this game is, is he looking like he's back and okay
0: yeah he's fine that was just a little okay. bit of a stinger for him
1: okay so you know obviously Minka is great in that Tyron Matthew freelancing Bob Sanders kind of role making plays reading Josh Allen's eyes doing all those things he's not you know, a lockdown slot cornerback in the, in the sense of going man to man, you know, locking up somebody like Cole Beasley. So I could see that being a big, big matchup in that Beasley could have a lot of catches and a lot of yards, and it's going to come down to can Minka make a big play in the big moment where he gets a read on Josh Allen and figures out where he's going ahead of time. That's going to be the real test for me.
0: And for the record, just so you know, that Steve Nelson did return to practice so there may be a little bit of help on corner.
1: No, that, that'll certainly be interesting. So obviously the Bills are trending in the right direction. They had a stretch in the middle of the season where they had, I think, one game there were 17 guys on the injury report. They were pretty fortunate. They didn't have a lot of season-ending injuries, so they're actually getting a lot of those guys back now. Last week, they literally had zero players on the injury report not one player was out for the game or missing. It was unbelievable after the stretch they had been through. And they're looking pretty solid this week. So I think they're going to have their full complement of players, but this is kind of that attrition part of the season, you know, and each team is trying to figure out who do we have to to go in each game. So uh, I'll certainly be monitoring that closely with the team as talented as the Steelers.
2: And Greg, uh, what's your prediction for the game?
1: So I've been stewing on this for a while. I've had this chalked up as a loss all season long that you know the sealers are you know one of the best teams in football at, at one point you know probably inarguably the best team in football during their undefeated stretch I think most teams still see the chiefs as the biggest threat in the NFL but you know the Steelers just kept finding a way to win I think it's you know unfair with the recency bias of just coming off a loss and seeing the bills play great on Monday night it's really hard to remove that from your mind I very much think the Bills have a shot at this game. I very much think that they can win this game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout in either direction. I think it's going to come down to who has the ball last. I think despite both defenses being pretty good, I think there's going to be some points scored in this game. I think that they're going to kind of go shot for shot. I think that both teams are going to get a couple of big plays here and there. I think at home, I think that you know if this flips around in the playoffs, if this was in Pittsburgh, I'd feel a little bit differently. I think the Bills might be able to steal this. I I think they might be able to take something, you know, 31-28, 27-24, one of those kind of things coming down towards the end. Um, I think the Bills might be able to sneak this by a short amount at home, coming off a lot of momentum, really healthy. Uh, But I I certainly won't be shocked if if the Steelers pull it out.
0: It's funny. I was actually kind of picturing this as the first loss of the season against the Bills. It just felt that, you know, the Bills kind of had the team that was – Almost similar in makeup to the Steelers and quarterback who can not only run and pass. I've had sort of a theory with the Steelers in which sometimes with multiple rushers like three or four, even with the quarterback, for, for example, against Baltimore, they ran off for 265. I know Josh is not going to do that, but just enough of that. OK, wait, who has the ball? That's where sometimes it can mess up for the Steelers.
1: It's going to be interesting. These are two of the best teams in football. I think two of the three best teams in football. To be completely honest, maybe two of the th- two of the four best. I think the AFC has the top three or the top three out of the top four, depending where you put the Saints and whether Brees is going to be healthy. Um, but I think the Chiefs, Steelers, and Bills are the three best teams in football. So I'm excited that as a Bills fan, I get to say things like that and people don't look at me like I'm crazy. That This is a new experience for me uh, that people don't just think I'm some, you know, insane homer for saying things like that. It's fun that this is going to be Sunday night football, game of the year, potential AFC championship game preview. Uh, this is awesome.
2: And Greg, I, w- I want to know what your thoughts are on Sean McDermott and the, the incredible job he's done in Buffalo. He's really turned around uh, the entire organization.
1: So they've actually rejected my request three times to legally change my name to Sean McDermott. Um, it's it's um, I, I love Sean McDermott more than what's healthy for any agro- uh, adult man. Um, he's fantastic. He is what Mike Tomlin is for the Steelers. He is the leader, the culture creator the unifier of that organization he has built a phenomenal locker room people love and play hard for him he brings in the right people that are the right fit for the right reason and he says cheesy cliche stuff like you can come to buffalo and and be your best person and be the best you can be and then people do it over and over again, and he they keep reclaiming and finding these guys who weren't a good fit in other places, and they come to Buffalo and play great and are happy and love being around there. Um, and they do a lot of research to figure out who those right people are and then bring them in, and he does an awesome job coaching them up. So, you know, after 25 years of just frustration and disappointment and boredom and just, you know, lulling us into not caring about the team, Having somebody like him is a pretty fun experience.
2: I know Buffalo, they, they haven't had fans at the game all year. Bill's Mafia, and I, I know they're a very passionate group, but I just want to know how they're feeling about break season this year and how did that tradition of jumping through tables start?
1: So <laughs> so one, <laughs> I hate that. It, it's, it, it frustrates the crap out of me. And being able to get to the point where that's what a lot of people associate with the fan base when it's – a handful of idiots that know that if I do something stupid, I'll get on the internet and people look at the video. It's, it's frustrating, but I will say it's something where Bill's mafia is an awesome collection of really passionate fans and being able to be a part of that is probably the most frustrating thing of a really crappy year. 2020 has been a horrible year, and there's lots of things way more important than what I'm about to say. But another reason that it's crappy is the Bills' first good season in 25 years, fans can't even be at the stadium to watch this happen. I'm sure just like the Steelers, there's a disproportionate effect of this. You know, Do you think the Jaguars or the Falcons or the Panthers care that fans can't be at the games? You know, the half their stadium was filled with Bills fans and Steelers fans when they played down there anyways, for teams like the Bills and the Steelers and the Chiefs and the Seahawks and the Saints. It's a huge deal. They had a huge home field advantage. And now missing that is really a shame. So I, that's disappointing. Um, I love Bill's mafia. I love the fan base. You see all the really cool stuff with all the donations uh, to whether it's to Andy Dalton for making the the playoff run or whether it's, you know, to Josh Allen, to the O'Shea children's um, hospital in honor of Josh Allen's grandma. Cause she died the night before his huge game against the Seahawks, you know, stuff like that happens. And that was $17 at a time, you know, over twenty five thousand people donated to that individually, and it raised over seven hundred thousand dollars. Stuff like that's pretty cool. Like that's a a fun thing to be associated with, even though some people think of it as just Yahoo's lighting themselves on fire, jumping through tables.
0: Talk about your podcast as well. A little bit of a cross promotion here. Uh, we also want you to tune in and listen to his podcast, as you're going to have on a former Steeler.
1: Yeah, yeah, lucky enough to have Levon Kirkland on to come over and uh, preview the the Bills Steelers game. We do previews every Wednesday night, and then live post game uh, right after it on uh, Cover One. So you can find us at you know Cover One Buffalo is the is the show I do. We also run Cover one.net and the Cover One app. Um, so for from a Steelers standpoint, obviously my show is very Bill centric, but we do a ton of draft work. So as you get into draft season, we have some of the best draft analysts around. All of us go down there for the Senior Bowl, go through all the different uh, groups and do tons of different breakdowns, really detailed stuff. So uh, come on over and check us out. Uh, I think you guys will enjoy it.
0: You managed to catch the Senior Bowl before COVID hit, so that must have been one hell of an experience.
1: Yeah, I, I'm actually said we've been talking about it because they reached out and asked you know who wants credentials, who's coming in person this year, and we do have two guys that are still going down. Last year there were like eight of us that went, that went down together, um, so all of us are going to go back for 2022. It's honestly one of the most fun NFL experiences you can have because it's everybody from the nfl every decision maker and and you know all of the big brain trust of the nfl in one little spot all at the same time and there's no like fancy places where the big people can go and they push off the other people it's this little rinky dink stadium and these little rinky dink bars and everybody's going out to the same restaurants and the same places and you're sitting there having a drink and be like oh hey You know, and and right next to you is the GM of another team. And then, oh, hey, I'm eating chicken wings with Matt Rule at two in the morning. This is kind of cool. It's awesome. It's it's such a cool experience.
0: Hope to get that experience one day. And Greg, we know you have to go, but we want to make sure that Steelers fans know about your podcast with Levon Kirkland. Where can they find a replay of that just in case they don't reach it before we air our episode?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So again, excited to have Levon Kirkland on tonight to preview uh, Bill Steelers our, ourselves. So it's going to air Wednesday night at nine o'clock live. You can find it with Cover One Buffalo. If you search for cover, the number one in Buffalo, you'll find it anywhere. Cover One.net is our website. You can find me on Twitter at Greg Thompson. You'll find me on there or at Cover One on Twitter. You can find us there. It should be a really good discussion. Looking forward to it. And then uh, hopefully just a fun, exciting game. I- I'm really looking forward to this. I think Steelers fans should be excited about it too. It's going to be a great test for both teams to see where they stand going into the playoffs. And obviously very possible of a playoff rematch when it comes time. That's Greg
0: Thompson, the host of the cover one Buffalo podcast. Thanks Greg for coming on and good
1: luck with the bills.
0: Appreciate
1: it guys. Good luck with the Steelers. Hope we have a fun game.
0: And again, we thank Greg Thompson for coming on the show. Be sure to check out that podcast cover one Buffalo and Chris, we were wrong last week. Like a lot of people were last week, we expected the Steelers' streak to continue on to 12-0, and 0, and it just wasn't in the cards. So what's your thoughts on Buffalo as the Steelers will take on the Bills this weekend?
2: It's going to be a real tough game for the Steelers, I think. Uh, you know, Buffalo's at 9-3, and, and you know, really they, they could be 10-2. and two. I mean, they're a Hail Mary play away from being 10-2, uh, what Arizona did. I don't know. Josh Allen's been playing really well. If you watch the highlights against the 49ers, he was excellent. It was unbelievable performance by him. And it's going to be a tough game. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the game?
0: Well, again, it's going to be a more interesting contest this time because the Steelers have their quarterback. But with the way play happened last week, there's going to have to be a ton of improvement on the offensive side, namely from the drops for any Steelers fan to really have confidence the offense can do something.
2: Yeah, and like Greg mentioned, if Hayden can't go, that could be huge for Buffalo with Stephon Diggs, who's having an amazing year right now. And uh, he's, he's a dynamic receiver. And, you know, the Steelers did well against uh, Terry McLaren on Monday. Uh, they gave up big plays to Cam Sims and uh, Logan Thomas, the tight end there. So uh, uh, hopefully they could, uh, you know, get things corrected on the defensive side and, you know, limit those big plays. Uh, receivers have to catch the ball, you know, the last two, I've been down for 16 drops in the last two games. which is just unbelievable what that's happened. So
0: you feel yeah. the law of averages with the receivers and tight ends and sometimes the running backs, it can't be this bad again. These are two performances that are once every 15 years happening twice in two weeks. You just feel that there's still going to be drops, but at the same time, it's not going to be that much. And really with the Steelers defense, you, you talk about that. It's just that if there's one time for an offensive coordinator like the Bull, who was with the Patriots, and they could notice that and try to incorporate their running backs into the receiving games. Singletary was somewhere in between those four wide receivers. And their tight ends, with Spillane out, maybe the Steelers figure out a plan this week and the Gates. A potential tight end run from the Bills, but I have a feeling that the Bills may try to line up and attack them the same way until the Steelers say, okay, that's enough. We're going to stop this. Well, the Steelers have had doubters nationally, and now it seems like they have to deal with them locally, so it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to their first loss of the season. So, Chris, what is your prediction for Steelers versus Bills?
2: For the second time this year, time I'm going to say that the Steelers lose. I'm going to go against the Steelers. Uh, I think Buffalo is playing really well and they're, they're going to be at home too on a primetime game. You know, they're wearing their color rushing uniforms. Uh, I think they're going to be amped up for this game. And Steelers are dealing with a lot of injuries too. I think it's catching up to them. And uh, I think it'll be close, but I want to give Buffalo a 28 to 24 win.
0: This is the time that I thought that the Steelers would lose, that they were still undefeated. It just felt like Buffalo was the last frontier in which you could really say, okay, this team might actually do this. And now that it's not happened, and it happened in such a disappointing fashion, all the problems the Steelers have had this year exacerbated in one night. It gives bad vibes for any Steeler fan right now. And they got to prove everyone this week. It's not just Pittsburgh, mostly Pittsburgh. It's... Everyone, so I'm gonna actually say and still have the faith that the Steelers will win this one. I'm not gonna give a score because that's just too much mental mumbo jumbo for me, but I will say this it'll be a fight and it'll be close. Really, it's too early to do the predictions for us because as we record this, this is Wednesday, there's no guarantee if Joe Hayden's gonna be out of concussion protocol. Can Steven Nelson be effective? Can he handle being the number one? Can Cam Sutton step up? Can Justin Lane step up? Can even are you gonna call up another player off the practice squad? Antoine Brooks is available. There's a ton of questions that as we record this right now, they need to be answered for me to give a definitive prediction.
2: Yeah, if Nelson can play that that'll be huge. And it looks like he you know, he's on the right track. You know, he he practiced today, he was a full participant, so Definitely a, a good sign.
0: All right, we'll go quickly now. So who are your big performers offensively and defensively for the Steelers? And you can put it in a case of if they win, this is probably who's going to be the big performers.
2: I'm going to go with Juju. I think they need to start throwing the ball to him more deep down the field. It's all short throws. Like like he's like a running back or something. Like, you know, quick toss, to it, like a slant. Remember a couple years ago against Jacksonville when he had those Two uh, deep passes. One was against Jalen Ramsey, and the one was
0: Boye. Yeah, it was the time where everyone thought that, okay, Juju's officially coming on. It kind of made them go, you know, maybe he could be a number one someday.
2: Yeah, so they need to get back to doing that. And also, I, I think Claypool, they need to use him more. He only played 30 snaps against the Washington. And for for some reason, he wasn't on the field, I don't think. He wasn't on that field for that, that fourth and one play, right? No, he wasn't. The fact that he wasn't on the field there is pretty alarming I don't that, that play still bothered I don't know about you Ty but like that, that was just a, such a strange play call
0: on the offensive side for me I'm gonna say James Connor comes back with a vengeance and I think the Steelers they have to run the ball it's not a need anymore because last game you got embarrassed. You literally had the entire secret formula spill out onto the Heinz Field grass. It's different this time. It's not a need. It's a have now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Getting Connor back is huge. I mean, he's obviously their their number one running back, and you know he's obviously not elite back, but he's better than Snell and McFarland, honestly. So. Did I say obviously too many times there?
0: No, you just—that was the first time you said it, Mike Tomlin. Oh. <laughs> now let's go talk about the defense. And really, Chris, whoever you pick for the defensive player, just to wrap us up, I'll choose as well.
2: I want to go back with TJ Watt. I feel like I pick him like every week, but I mean he's a monster, and uh, he's he's right up there with Aaron Donald right uh, this year for uh, defensive player of the year. I mean, he had an incredible game against
0: Washington. I think he proved that. Whoever's on the opposite end as a linebacker, even if Spillane comes back, even if it's Gilbert, Adenyi, it doesn't matter. Highsmith, he's going to do his business, and there's little anyone can do to stop it. So it's going to be interesting to see if TJ Watt can come up huge again. He just missed out on having a play that could have either A, changed the game for the Steelers, or B, maybe just buy a little bit more time until the inevitable. It should be an exciting clash in Buffalo, 8 p.m. on NBC. The Steelers' backs are against the wall, and a lot of people have faith in them. I'm sure, Chris, you have faith in them as well. It's just right now they got to prove it to a lot of people. And that's all for us. For Chris Ward, I'm Ty Polk. Thank you for tuning in to the Renegade Blitz. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz. Read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com and like us on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, iHeart, and Spotify.